This is the Education Gadfly Show. That's it. That's all. That's it. Okay. That's it. Come on, we, hey. uh, I have some questions around here. What are you doing to me? <laughs> that, okay. That's not enough. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming my co-host, the Meryl Streep of Education Reform, Alyssa Schwing. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. You are not overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm, you know, just uh, rated enough. Yes, perfectly rated. Perfectly there it is. Rated. Yes, rated appropriately. Uh, Brandon Wright is with us as well. And <laughs> yep. Brandon, you, you too. You be the Tom Hiddleston of... Who's that? Tom Hiddleston? Hiddle- that? He also gave a speech at the Golden Globes yeah. that sparked some he's, controversy. He's talks of being the next James Bond. He was in the, uh, the Night Manager. Uh-huh. Uh, Taylor Swift's ex-boyfriend as well. Oh, good. One I of them. See, I see La La Land did well, Alyssa, but you said you don't like it. It did. I liked it. It was not as great as based on the reviews I expected it to be, mm-hmm. but I did like it. It was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. No, nope. I haven't seen it. Brandon hasn't seen it yet. Not I, huge on musicals. You did see Hidden Figures, both of you, right? Yeah, on Sunday. Uh, yeah. We start on the same day. Sa- yeah. Sa- Chinatown Theater, too? Nope. Yeah. Uh, okay. Georgetown, because uh, it has the oh, new seats. Oh, they have the nice seats. Yeah. Recommend highly. And Great there's, movie, though. There's really a, gifted ed- a gifted education angle, right? Mm-hmm. That, that at least one of the characters. The first scene is sort of about gifted yeah. education. Yeah, she was kind of a prodigy as a child. Identified for acceleration, yeah. And uh, and how rare it is that we identify uh, children of color for gifted programs. Still yeah. an issue today. Uh, mm-hmm. Perhaps we'll have to use this movie as an excuse to write more about that. <clears throat> and, as and if Brandon. we need one. <laughs> yes. 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 All right. So. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about education reform in the states. It's time for Ed Reform Update. That's right. We might be here in Washington, D.C., where everybody is obsessed with Betsy DeVos's confirmation hearing, but because it's been delayed for a whole week, we can blather about that next week. And instead, we can talk about the fact that the states where the real action is in education are all starting their legislative sessions. Governors are giving their state of the state addresses mm-hmm. and they are getting busy working on various education bills. I am curious as you look out around the country. From your vantage point here inside the Beltway Swamp, what what do you see that is of interest to you that you think we should be keeping an eye on this year and really this spring as these legislative sessions get underway? Mm-hmm. Brandon, what, what do you see? Uh, so not an actual bill. Uh, this might sound like a cop out, but I think it's actually the right answer. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing that we'll see in states is how they respond to ESSA. In particular, oh, um, Brandon, so so Washington centric. You know, it's all about us. Uh-huh. The contents of their uh, consolidated state plans, which cover everything from accountability to assessments to yeah. school improvement. Yeah, um, there's a lot of changes in the new law. These plans are due in April or September. It's up to the states. Fourteen already have drafts or second drafts. Mm-hmm. So. Big changes will come from this law, and uh, I think they'll supersede. Yeah, no, that, that's all fair. And, and by the way, it will include bills in many cases because there are, mm-hmm. in, in sure. many cases, state laws on the books that will need to be changed uh, that govern how accountability systems work, for example, or interventions in low-performing schools, or maybe uh, you know a mandatory teacher evaluation program that they will decide to get rid of now that that is no longer a federal mandate. 
Uh, okay, pretty good answer. I don't know that I would say it is the right answer, uh, but it is a good answer. Alyssa, what are you watching? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm a little wary because I just read or I just listened to a bunch of podcasts where they made people listen to their predictions for 2016. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to predict that the Kentucky Charter Bill will be mm-hmm. um, on the table. It's a hop. They haven't been able to pass a bill from what I understand, but they now have a Republican supermajority. No, no, just majority. Just majority? Yep, yep. First time uh, in like 100 years okay. that, the, that the entire Kentucky legislature has been controlled by Republicans. Both the House and the yes. Senate. Okay. I think it was so. either the House or the Senate that flipped to Republicans. They, so, yes. time for a charter bill there. Um, the other thing that I'm going to be watching is I think there's going to be sort of a flurry of legislation in response around the transgender children and bathrooms issues. Mm. We've already seen Texas has come up with a bill. Um, I think under the Obama White House and the Clinton administration had Hillary Clinton been elected mm. would surely have pushed back a lot from OCR on these bills and on this legislation. Mm. Uh, under the new administration, I think the response is going to be different. So I think states will be testing those boundaries. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I will say, look, on, on I argued last week about subsidiarity and the importance mm-hmm. of letting people at the local level make decisions like this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say that Republicans passing these bathroom bills at the state level violate subsidiarity because the bills, at least the one in North Carolina, basically said, hey, municipalities and school districts, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have a policy that would allow transgender students or people to use, you know, the opposite sex bathroom, uh, we're not going to allow that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, in fact, you know, the local control position would be, hey, let schools figure this out. Yeah. And I think uh, the Texas bill actually started with a school decided to allow a transgender student to use Mm -hmm. uh, the bathroom of their choosing. And that the state legislature decided to get involved. Right. So I see that on the agenda. And and if the arguments that the people who are in favor of state control have made include things like those who are closest to the action know best, then they really shouldn't take control away from the federal government only to control things from the state house. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of just doing the exact same thing that it, you're you complaining about in the first place. Hypocritical, perhaps. <laughs> hypocritical. All right. Well, that's I the word. I am going to be watching some of the school finance uh, work that's being done out there. Washington State, for example, has been in the mm-hmm. news. They've been trying for a while now to fix their funding formula. Connecticut's governor is making noise about this. It is on the agenda in Colorado as mm-hmm. well. The uh, Senate Education Chair there, uh, who I got to meet with last week, Owen Hill, impressive guy. Uh, he has been pushing a bill to try to get uh, districts to require districts to share local property tax money with charter schools, uh, mm-hmm. which is something I think makes a ton of sense mm-hmm. uh, since the, the charters there, as everywhere, are underfunded compared to their traditional district counterparts. This is something that uh, I think you're going to see around the country. The states, some states at least, are feeling flush, not all of them, but some of them, as we are now, you know, in the, what, eighth or ninth year of a recovery. That recovery is not going to last forever. Yes, knock on wood, if that's what this table is made of. I think it's compressed plastic, yeah. Well, knock on plastic. But, uh, you know, look, at some point we're going to hit another recession, another downturn, and Mm -hmm. You know, I think we've learned from the past that if you want to fix funding formulas, push for greater equity, always easier to do when there is new money on the table rather Mm -hmm. than a situation where you have to redistribute the money, take money away from some districts and give to others. Mm -hmm. So states don't dawdle on this one. Time's a wasted. Yep. And yeah, what else do you see on the agenda? That was it. That's all that's I got. It? Okay. Alyssa, I asked the questions around here. What are you doing to me? That, okay. That's not enough. I mean, that's a big one. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Uh, now, look, they're, they're, I guess the other thing would be, you know, there's some speculation that a handful of states may go after the Common Core yet again. Uh, some places that are newly in Republican hands, like Kentucky, as we discussed mm-hmm. earlier, maybe New Hampshire, maybe Iowa. You know, look, if you hear that I am off to Concord or uh, Frankfurt or Des Moines, uh, then you can know that uh, perhaps that stuff is underway. But hey, I am hoping that uh, that these states will be too busy doing other things like passing charter school laws to muck around with the Common Core. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things they have to do, which they could probably and should probably do yeah. before they yeah. Change a few standards. Hey, did, did I get those state capitals right? Uh, you got the ones that I knew right. <laughs> but it's been a long time since I, I memorized those in second grade. Nico. If Nico were here, he would. He knows them all. It's Man. a. Or that's about the age when you learn them. <sighs> no, oh no, no, no. He doesn't have to learn them yet. He it's just his hobby. This is also the same child who, at a Fordham holiday party, gave an impassioned defense of the need for more social studies in yes, the classroom. Exactly. All right. And that is all the time we've got for Ed Reform Update and various other chatter. Uh, now <laughs> it's time for everyone's favorite Amber's Research Minute. Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. Did Did you watch the Golden Globes? I didn't. I just saw Meryl Streep's, you know, little uh, bandwagon, whatever we want to call it, uh-huh. soapbox thingy. I bet you weren't a big fan of that one. <laughs> you know, I love Meryl Streep. And what I said to my husband after I saw it broadcast everywhere yeah. was, I hope the next thing Trump does not say is that Meryl Streep is a crappy actress. Because, I mean, come on. <laughs> and of course yeah. he did. And that's exactly what uh, he yeah, said. Yeah, I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh. Yeah. There was a poll on Twitter that uh, asked people to guess what he would call her in response right. to that speech. And they had all of the words. Yes. Yeah. It's bad. He's not even president yet. And he's already predictable. Yeah. I know. Especially after I've just seen Florence Johnson or whatever. Response, my family loved wow. that. Mm. Have you seen it, Mike? No, no. Hilarious. There's one scene in there that you're just belly laughing yeah. where she's just... Just, you know, being the awful singer that apparently this woman was. But yeah, you, great movie. So <sighs> Hugh Grant, her and the guy from Big Bang Theory, right? Yes. yes. Mm. Right. All right. Well, what do you have for us today? A Big Bang Theory oh, for well, education? Well, sort of, kind of. We got a new report out from Corey Codell and Morgan Polakoff, mm-hmm. who are, by the way, two eeps yes. that are Aww. like these emerging education policy scholars from Way back then. I think yeah. they were maybe the first or yeah. second cohort. So. And and by the way, on Rick Hess's list of uh, top education uh, scholars in the country, both of those two. You got it. Uh, it, it, it it'll be <laughs> out by the time this uh, this broadcast. Just yeah, checking. It's, it's good. So we're looking at what these dynamic duo found, and they looked at the impact of math textbooks on student achievement in California. Though they identified 240 unique textbooks in California across roughly 7,800 schools. Um, These were just K-8 schools, by the way. Um, The final sample ultimately included about 1,900 schools that used one of four popular textbooks used in the state from 2008 to 2013. Okay. Yep. So it boiled down to, they had found a ton but they had a bunch of criteria by which these schools and textbooks Mm -hmm. could get into the study and ended Mm -hmm. up with four um, that were used from 2008, 2013. Most of those textbooks went into the system at, in 2008 or nine. Okay. Right. And this is a pre-Common Core then? It was. And so they, were, they name the textbooks? They did. Okay. Uh, they were chosen among other reasons because they could have enough. I won't get too much in the weeds, but this gave them enough statistical power, okay, mm-hmm. to evaluate them. The books were Envision Math, California, California Math, California Mathematics, 
concept skills and problem solving and California HSP math. So they're not exactly creative when it comes to titles. No, and I'm surprised that uh, everyday math isn't on that list. Did not make it in. Huh. Uh, They merge curriculum data with various school and district characteristics, census data such as median household income, and achievement data, which are the school average test scores on state math tests. Most of the results are based on grade three achievement, but there's some evidence on grades four and five. They use three different analytic techniques that match schools based on a bunch of characteristics Mm -hmm. like their size, what the kids are like, their prior achievement. Mm -hmm. And then they track those achievement um, data for up to four years. Mm -hmm. Okay. At the kid level? At the school level, right? Okay. Okay, They're matching schools here. Mm -hmm. The key finding is that compared to the other three textbooks, California Math, which is Hute and Mifflin, by the way, has a positive impact Mm -hmm. that's evident in the first year after adoption and that persists through year four. The effect is in the range of 0.05 to 0.08 standard deviation, depending on the year and the model. Analysts say these effects are, quote, on par with what one could expect from a hypothetical policy that substantially increases the quality of the teaching workforce. You know, Corey Codell's done Mm -hmm. a ton of stuff Hmm. around teacher quality, so he's got some estimates there. What's more, they say these changes come at a low cost because choosing one textbook over another also is pretty straightforward in terms of mm-hmm. raising student achievement. So they seem to say, you know, this is not rocket science here mm-hmm. in terms of changing textbooks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not got all the politics surrounding some of these teacher quality initiatives mm-hmm. we've tried in the past. Um, and then they have this sort of long discussion of, yet these are really hard studies to do because as Matt Chingos and others have said, you know, nobody, very few states collect these curriculum data systematically. It's really hard to do. It's spotty. It's not formatted consistently, so on and so forth. So it takes forever to clean the data. And then by the time the study comes out, some of this is outdated. I kind of had to laugh, but I know they were just wanted to just, you know, wring their necks when they finally figure this out. But California math is no longer being printed. Right. <laughs> like that's how long it took to get the study done. Okay. But, but good job. I collect the data. Often miffed in, uh, back, back in the day. All right. 2008, 2008. And, and the same can be said for the other three textbooks, apparently. Yeah. There's only one that's still being printed. So, yeah. It's, huh. it's kind of hard to do these types of studies and, and they and make a good point. Like, why can't we just collect this in these statewood, these statewide, you know, data systems? Well, the question would be, you know, where do you ask the question? I mean, do we assume that all the teachers in a given school are using the same textbook? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, right. but maybe. maybe not. Yeah. Uh, what does it mean to use a textbook? Especially now in the days when a lot of people are using stuff online or mixing and matching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it right. gets complicated. It quickly, does. Right? It does get complicated. Quickly. You know, but it, maybe it'd be best if you ask teachers. You know, the, the other question I would have is whether any of these programs came along, these textbooks came along with professional development help. Mm-hmm. My sense is the publishers at least tend to try to sell I'll PD. do that. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's possible yes. that, uh, first of all, you know, this is partly about professional development, mm-hmm. not just the book. And second of all, that maybe. The California math just came along with more PD and the other ones didn't. Yeah. I mean, is that something they address? They the, say no, that they are, you know, they say as many times as they've sort of presented these findings, the question they always get is why, why, yeah. why, mm-hmm. why? They, um, and they don't have any sort of yeah. black, in the black box theories on why these yeah. are effective. So, but of course they say, you know, the more data col- that we collect, the yeah. more types of studies we Classic can do to get Classic researcher this. answer. 
Yes. Uh, do they talk at all about the book's alignment to like the state tests? Mm. Because I feel like that's also a component yeah, of could whether be or not. a reason why they, I mean, they say yeah. this is, they give out 15 different reasons why it could be, but we but don't look, know. This is promising. Yeah. And the fact, you know, so it's not terribly useful in terms of the actual book that book they identify. Itself, but right. the point mm-hmm. is that choosing the right textbook makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that doesn't cost any more money than choosing a bad textbook. And so that's we right. should pay attention to these choices. And that choosing the right textbook can make average teachers better. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and that's something that Caribou Jackson found lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that this point is that teacher quality maybe is more malleable than we thought if you mm-hmm. think about it in combination with high quality instructional mm-hmm. material. Yeah, if Robert Pondicio knew how to use emojis, he would retweet this with a praise hand emoji because this is something he's been saying for a really long time too. Yes. yes. So on the reading end. We should give him some professional development about that a little. <laughs> on emoji use? Okay. Yes. How hard is that? Uh, you have that, you do that one and I'll watch. Okay. okay. But let me just say like, how hard is it to define professional development too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I mean, listen, do you remember you'd get oh it when God, we adopted a textbook, so... you'd get like a bucket load of ancillary materials along with the textbook. Literally, they would mm-hmm. bring it around in a wagon when I used yeah. to teach like, here's all the ancillary Stop. materials we got. Pick what you want, yeah. you know? There'd and be it's like, like a manipulative oh. card and you would grab yeah. like the things so, that you needed from math when yeah. I was Is that PD, Mike, or is that just more stuff? Know. I mean, no, it's good. And, and and as PD, you know, teachers having time to sit around Talk and discuss. Talk to each other, lesson you know, study. That, uh, right. I mean, that yeah. seems, isn't that, now people seem to think that that's, those professional learning communities, that's where it's at. It's helpful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe, I mean, this sounds really wonky, but maybe we need a new sort of hierarchy, nomenclature, classification system for what is PD. And I'm yeah. sure somebody's done that. Yeah. But I just feel like we don't really, when we try to start talking about PD, it seems like everything counts as PD yeah. anymore. Yeah. Well, how about start with this? Let's pick really good curriculum mm-hmm. and then let's help teachers understand uh, and have time about how to master it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and don't ever try to do PD that is not connected to curriculum. And make sure that curriculum is aligned to the standards. Yes. And that the standards don't suck. Right. We're so, so smart. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, figured out. We do. We probably are. This is why teachers do not oh, like being tinkered. <laughs> and you've got two former teachers right here. Oh, and, yeah. we, oh, and we still think we got to figure it out. Oh. And we know we don't. Oh, so, come yeah. on. Yeah. Easy peasy, people. Yeah. Easy yeah. peasy. Just, let's just do that. Oh, there, man. we can all go. All right. Good Ooh. stuff. Way to start off the new year. This was your first one of 2017, was, Amber. And I, I like it. I like it. All right. Well, till next week. I'm Melissa Schwartz. And I'm Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.